This is Season 2, Episode 13, and you're listening to She's the Man. Hi, welcome back to my podcast. I'm Zoya, your host, and you're listening to The Black Sprout. This week, we're talking about album drops and misogyny. So, in light of new albums and new music and all that, I thought that this episode or this week would be a great one to do an episode on black women and aggression um, and be aggressive, definitely not in the cheerleader way, um, more in the what are the stereotypes that black women often get labeled with. So when it comes to the angry black women, I just want to straight off say that it's rooted in shadow slavery. Okay, so... We can see this throughout the minstrel shows. You would see white men donning fat suits and they would mock black women by playing them as boorish and brooding, okay? Um, And I think it's really interesting to think about the women that we label as, you know, like angry and black and like aggressive and black or aren't allowed to show anger. So um, when I was doing, reading through some articles, these are some of the names that popped up. So we can think Michelle Obama, Serena Williams. I would put like a million exclamation marks behind her name, but Serena Williams, Shonda Rhimes, um, and such. I didn't really think that I would come to this point. I really didn't see myself making an episode and talking about Drake in it. And yet here we are. So here's a little background for those of you who do not know Drake has recently dropped an album, okay? The album is titled Her Loss, and it's a joint album between him and 21 Savage. And let's just say that this album is littered with misogyny. It's kind of funny because one of my friends, um, actually, I think it was me who brought it up, but I was talking to one of my friends and asking if they'd listened to the new Drake album yet. And they were saying that no, they hadn't because of the, you know, shooting reference um, that was like, put in the song, like the jovial tone and the mockery of the incident that happens. And I had been like, oh, you know, I listened to about half of it and I had stopped. I have to go um, run an errand. And so I had started the album on the way there and I think I abandoned it at some point. And it was mostly just because I was kind of really uncomfortable with like the words within the lyrics. But I feel like at that point, it hadn't really clicked to me why. And it wasn't until, lo and behold, I was scrolling on TikTok where um, many great videos are found that I seem to get a name for what, uh, like where my discomfort was coming from. And it was because of the misogyny. So specifically in the song Circle Loco where he raps about Megan getting shot and how she may have been dishonest about the telling of that night. In it, the lyrics say this, this bitch lied about getting shot, but she's still a stallion. So Megan did respond on Twitter by saying, stop using my shooting for clout. But I think it's kind of interesting because um, he responded, you know, trying to be like, you know, this song isn't about Megan the Stallion. It could be about a lot of other things. But hello, it's rap. And I think we all know many of these rappers are really famous for their double entendres and their wordplay and whatnot. And even if it wasn't directly about the stallion like I feel like he would have had he had to have known that this implication and this connection would be made and any responsible person that claimed to be the feminist that he claims to be I mean you didn't pull the song I actually saw somebody else talking about that 
um, which is why I kind of mentioned it, but it's true. You had a whole album, you have a whole, you know, track list or whatnot that's being put together. You have people, producers, whatnot around you, and the news breaks that, you know, um, somebody gets shot. And your first thought isn't to be like, wow, you know, when the whole industry is talking about how serious we need to take gun violence and all that stuff, your first thought was like, let me just continue this album, this song, let me put it out where I joke about, you know, a woman getting shot um, and that she's lying. And so I'd like to say that this is all because of misogynoir. Some of you may say, misogynoir, Zoya, what, you speak French? I wasn't aware of this. Well, you should go listen to some of my other episodes. But some other of you may be saying, Zoya, I don't know what that means. I only know about misogyny. Well, I'm glad you've heard of misogyny, but misogynoir is something I also feel like we need to talk about. Misogynoir is the term describing discrimination, prejudice, and unchecked fear that's aimed at Black women. And... To quote, to describe the particular brand of hatred directed at Black women in America visually and through popular culture. So this was coined by gay Black feminist Moya Bailey in 2010. So this term really targets a more racially nuanced understanding of racism and sexism that is affecting Black women, right? Like, here we are again talking about intersectionality where it's like, not only are you facing racism, but you're also facing sexism that the life you live is now complicated by both your race and your gender. And there's this demand, you know, when it comes to rap music especially, that you present yourself as super masculine or feminine and be hypersexualized so that you can succeed in the industry. And I say this to say that Megan Thee Stallion has been said time and time again by trolls on the internet, haters, racists, misogynists, and alike, that she's super manly, which is baffling to me when her nails are longer than some of y'all. Let me not. <laughs> Let me not. But um, no, like she's like 10 inch nails going on. Okay, I'm being a little playful. But still, what what is masculine about that? Okay, this woman, let me tell you, I love it. Okay, she's skin out. And you're going to look at Megan Thee Stallion and tell me that she's masculine. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that is almost demanded of the industry that she works in is this hyper, you know, femininity, hypersexual. She wrote a WAP, okay? Like, you can't say Megan isn't sexual, like, literally WAP. <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion is the epitome of sex and sexual. And so it's really this interesting phenomenon that she is that she is in herself and has presented herself as a sexual being to us. And yet at the same time, we reject that of her, that we claim regardless of her presentation and regardless of her performance to the world about who she is and what makes up the things that are Megan and what makes Megan Megan, we still like deem her masculine. And it's not we as in me, I don't. But I think it's interesting that this voice, this message claiming the masculinity of Megan is so loud that on multiple occasions, you know, you have people writing articles about it or talking about it and rejecting it and feeling a need to defend, you know? I think another reason why 
it was so easy for people to be like, Megan the Stallion is, you know, lying, joking, or like being misleading with the shooting is that we look at black women as strong, you know, pillars of our society and life and jokes, and that we can, you know, use them for jokes, but we can also use them for we need a revolution and they'll, you know, keep the kitchen going and great foods, but they're also the ones working hard. It was my mother who put the clothes on my back, but it was also my mother who put the food in my belly and, and that just image of this strong black woman. And so whenever there's a narrative that, you know, threatens it, it's one that we push back against that, Here's a woman who has been made vulnerable and put in a vulnerable situation. And all we can think is, like, how can I point my finger at her? How can I yet again place the blame on her? And because she is able to bounce back at what society would deem is at a fast rate, it must not have been as serious. And therefore, we are allowed to make light of the incident. And and it just reeks of misogynoir, okay? I can't, I can't, I can't say anything else. And I, I kind of want to talk about this hypocrisy when it comes to the black woman, right? Like Chris Rock made a joke about black women's hair at the Oscars. I think a lot of us have not forgotten that moment, okay? Um, I think it was Amy Schumer, like, came out and said that, um, you know, she's still having, like, flashbacks or pts or something like that from that incident so chris rock made a joke about black women's hair at the oscars okay uh which is really funny because he is also the same man who made a documentary about the importance and seriousness of black women's hair um the fallibility of man (laughs) if there ever was that because what um and i know many people wanted to say that it wasn't that serious and that you know, it's just a joke and comedians are allowed to make jokes. And if we stop comedians from making jokes, how will they pay their bills? And we are too sensitive. Snowflake, snowflake, flurry, fall. (laughs) And joking. But, you know, just this idea that Chris Rock, you made a documentary. And let's find out how much this documentary made. Like, I feel like that is important. This movie made $4,028,558 million. Dollars. Millions. Four million. Okay? That's how much your movie made. And yet somehow amongst all that you did not learn how important it wasn't to joke about black hair. Very odd of a concept to me. Will not lie. Um, I think it's the same hypocrisy, right? Like, this is the result of misogyny and misogynoir, that we have rappers that are able to praise the strip club but condemn the women that strip in them in the same song, right? Like, we saw this week condemning gun violence, or like, sorry, two weeks ago, condemning gun violence after takeoff, a member of the, um, like, Migos, was killed in gun violence. But then... A week later, we're okay with joking about it in a song um, at the expense of a black woman, right? And and so I think it's interesting, too, because misogyny, because of it, it demands that we, we ask women to soften their approach when they are criticizing things. So even when it comes to defending yourself, right? Like, Megan spent months... Look at me calling her Megan like she and me are besties. But I feel personally attacked by this. Here she is defending herself 
for weeks, going on months, you know, going on a year slash years about what happened. And we demand that, you know, you show us scars, you show us this, you show us that, bring down your tone, sound more convincing, show emotion, show less emotion, you know. And it sort of reminds me of when we were at the height of BLM and, you know, people were taking a stand or not taking a stand, but their lack of silence was showing many people the feelings around Black lives and what mattered. And I think it was interesting that, you know, No Name was criticizing many high-profile rappers for not showing up and advocating for Black lives, okay? Like, she was disgusted by the fact that the same community that we claim to be a part of and support and ask for support and sing about, rap about, make money with, out of, you know, like, benefit from the culture. And yes, you may have been in within it, but it's like, you're watching your friends and family die and you have nothing to say. And she was condemning high profile rappers for not speaking. You have J. Cole, you know, criticizing her for that. And she did respond in her own track, Song 33, that's what it's called. And, you know, I think it's interesting that she did call him out for being worried about the wrong thing. And it was important that here he is again in his song, worried about the wrong thing, which should have been black lives dying in the streets and not his ego. And I guess you can guess what she was worried about, his ego. Just like a man. No, I'm joking. As somebody who's been called aggressive on multiple occasions, I feel moved by this episode. I feel sympathetic to Megan Thee Stallion, who society has demanded again and again a story which she's already told and is not believed, right? And, you know, her, her incident said something that's so traumatic you know, is being used in a song for clout. And I say that because what was the point of putting in such a line or keeping, you know, such a song out? You see the outrage and the response from the public about how serious of a topic this is and instead of apologizing or and removing the song like your answer is just it's not about you it's to me it's the very epitome of like little kids being like oh I'm not touching you like you know and their fingers in your face and you're not allowed to do anything about it because they're like technically not touching you but like but they are it's like they're invading your space like that's what this feels like um, although I do think it's kind of funny that Vogue has decided that they want to sue Drake and 21 Savage over their fake Vogue magazine cover. Um, they were using it to promote their album, Her Loss. Um, uh, feels like a little bit of reparations <laughs> for men who seem not to care about the women that they're, you know, rapping about. But I feel like we don't talk about how constantly being told that you're aggressive and like that people that look like you are aggressive like wears on you 
I know for me, I think about it in like every one of my interactions with the public or like any sort of like tense interaction that I may be perceived as like angry and like masculinized in the moment. Over the years, I have definitely leaned into a very hyper feminine look for myself. And I think I do that because I want to offset the image and idea that like, obviously, I love the way I dress and I love dresses and skirts and like, being super done up and like, feeling very feminine. But I know that it's a reaction to years of not getting that to being called like, a boy or like, that being questioned. And knowing that the way I want to be perceived is not the aggressive black woman. I mean, like, who wants to be that, right? Like, just the fact that it's coming out of a hyper offensive depiction of what white men thought of black women during slavery times, like that is not something I would want to be connected with. And even though I think on the, you know, surface level, people don't think, oh, well, I think that she's aggressive because of the links to racism and slavery and whatnot, that's still rooted in there. And that, that work of not labeling black woman is angry and seeing them as much more multifaceted and like just the idea that like anger is an emotion that we as people have and process and go through and even that like not to just reject anger within black women in the black community but embracing it because you know historically speaking you can't argue and say that the anger isn't valid, you know what I mean? And so you're penalizing black women for having reactions, but then completely ignoring the source of the injury. Um, and it is serious because there are still people who believe that, you know, the strong black woman can take a lot more pain than she can, right? Like, that's the reason why they have the highest death rates when it comes to like giving birth, you know? Um, and so I think I just want to end this episode with the idea that I think we should allow for a more multifaceted Black woman and that making jokes about people's pain and trauma is just like never okay. And we seem to know those in like small bursts of time, but when it really matters, we don't. One day we can say, stop the gun violence. And the next day we can make jokes about it. Like it shows that we don't actually care. And then it begs the question of like, why don't we care? And why is there a pattern amongst the people that we do care about and the ones that we don't? But that's a topic for another day. Well, that was this week's episode. 
Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. Make sure to follow us on our socials. That's Black Sprout on Instagram and Twitter, B-L-C-K-S-P-R-O-U-T. And make sure to join the newsletter, okay? I send them out bi-weekly. If you don't get an episode, you get a newsletter. It's kind of a cute trade-off. And as always, interact with the podcast. Thank you for those who share your thoughts. You know, our community is growing. Let it continue, okay? Let your friends in, okay? Let them know that this is the hottest podcast on the streaming services right now. And why not listen to me, okay? I'm amazing. I tell great stories. Uh, My inbox is always open and stay tuned for next time. All right. Bye.